Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And now, live on 670 The Score and on the Odyssey app, it's Anthony Harry, former NFL defensive lineman and Iowa Hawkeye, football analyst for 670 The Score, Fox Sports, Sirius XM, Big Ten Network, and NBC Sports. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. For the better part of the next three hours, I am your voice. This is Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. Friday night edition. Looking forward to being here with you for the next few hours and broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Any listeners who are there who want to give us a call can do so at 312-644-6767. 312-644-6767. listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. We have some great guests on the show. We'll run down for you in a moment here. Guests join us on the Score Hotline presented by Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, We'll see if any news ends up breaking on a Friday night. If we get any any additional Friday news dumps, we'll reference uh, you know some of the John Morant news later in the show. But if any other Friday news dumps occur here, breaking news on 670 The Score is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. The, the weekend, the Father's Day weekend, will, will be upon us here. I don't know. I guess I'll... I'll announce at the official beginning of Father's Day weekend once I finish with you here. Be with you until 9 o'clock tonight. But the, the weekend itself, it, I don't know, it, it, it begins in, a, I guess, a somewhat hopeful place. Just depending on what vantage point you're looking at this thing from, you know, not a lot of hope on the way from a, a Bulls perspective with the the NBA draft coming up next week and no first round pick and you know no real answers for how you how you try to adjust the the roster, how you try to adjust the cap situation, make things look any more bright and shiny there. And uh, oh, uh, coincidentally, the the other Jerry Reinsdorf owned team on the south side of the city. I don't know, it's it's odd though. So I was gonna say something negative about the White Sox there, but who knows, man? Like by the time we get to the start of next week, maybe things will be looking up. Maybe things will be very different because both when you kind of factor in how the season has gone for baseball teams 
on both sides of town here. It's kind of like the Chicago weather. You know, we've, we've all, as we've grown up here, lived here, you know, of course, moved around different places and a lot of different regions of the country kind of have a, a similar, I guess, a, a similar kind of moniker that they go with, similar kind of, you know, phrase that they try to use related to their weather. But it, it definitely feels accurate in Chicago, especially over the past week or so here where everybody says, oh, you don't like the weather in Chicago. Just just wait for a minute. It'll change. It's kind of what baseball in Chicago has been like. So I, I, kind of, I hesitated for a moment. I was about to say something negative about the White Sox. But like, you know what? I don't know. Be back on the station a couple times next week. Might be completely different because a few days ago, it certainly felt very different. A week ago when they had won seven out of nine games and had a nice little win streak going, thinking, all right, man, this thing is it's kind of turning around here. We've got some stuff that they might be figuring out on the south side in their awful division. Hey, look, the north side in their awful division. They, they get a sweep. Now another nice effort today. The Cubs end up taking down Baltimore. And so here they are, man. They got a nice little win streak going. What a handful of games in a row here. And the offense has found its rhythm and found some explosion behind Chris Morrell. And so it's a different Cub squad. And they're, they're just a few games out of first place right now. Who'd have dug it? But here they are in their awful division. So that the Central in both the AL and the NL has at least, I guess, a the, the level of inconsistency that we see with baseball on, on each side of town here. Then it, it allows both teams, it allows both fan bases, it allows both front offices to, to say that there's a chance. It reminds me a little bit, honestly, I, I wasn't going to start off talking baseball here early in the show, but you know, just thinking about the weekend and – you know, the direction this thing could end up going here. You know, like for me, Father's Day weekend, you know, I've been a father for five or five and a half. My my five-year-old, he constantly reminds us if if uh, someone asks us how old he is, instead of asking him how old he is, then he'll either, when he gets a chance to say it himself, he'll say five and a half. Or if he hears us just call him five, he will throw the half in it, five and a half. And so my five and a half-year-old, as we're out and about this weekend, you know, we're going to do I don't know that there's anything, you know, really out of the norm that's on the docket for Father's Day this week. And I'm fairly easy to please with a lot of this stuff. Uh, birthdays, holidays for gift buying times of year and Father's Day, things like that. I, I don't know. I guess I need to come up with something, uh, something crazy to do uh, if it's going to be up to me. But I, I think the weekend is going to be, you know, fairly normal. We're, we're going to we're going to hang out. We're, we're going to look for some houses because we are. uh we are in the process of, of uh, at least evaluating, likely at some point making a, a suburban move here. We live downtown still right now. Been here for quite a while. Been enjoying it, but you know, you got a growing five-year-old. He takes up a lot of space, and his stuff takes up a lot of space. So probably gonna get out to the, the burbs here at some point. So probably get out, check some stuff out, evaluate that a little bit. But then beyond that, we'll we'll spend some time playing. It, it is a very different. Um, a very different experience in our house right now with that. And it, as I started talking some baseball there for a moment, it kind of put me in the mind of where the Cubs, at least where, you know, we've seen the white Sox further along in, in their development. And so there, there's more frustration that's kind of built in just intrinsically with where the Sox are at because the, the expectations are, are higher, you know, so like, just like, with behavior, with you know certain types of behavior, like you're dealing with a five-year-old, like all right, you know, we're in a public place, and we're gonna go out to eat, go to a restaurant. Now, of course, you had a 
couple of COVID years there. We weren't going out to eat very much, but like, all right, behaviorally, we got some expectations. We, we know that this is something that, all right, at five and a half, we, we got some high hopes for how this is supposed to operate. But then for things like, all right, like he hadn't ridden his bike since last year. And so we went out a couple of weeks ago for the first time in over a year to ride his bike and he was rusty. You know, he, he hadn't done it in a while. He got a little bit frustrated by it. So I had to kind of walk him, talk him through that a little bit, try to help help navigate some of that frustration. But it was understandable. You know, a five-year-old learned to ride with no training wheels for the first time last year, kind of late in the summer. Wife signed him up for a little bike riding class real quick. He knocked that out in, in a couple of days. And then he was just zooming all over the place. And we had a good time. But then he went a year without riding. He was a little bit rusty. So that, to me, you know, it's one thing. You got certain expectations for a certain age group where they – the expectations are higher, but then something like bike riding with no training wheels, especially once you get a little bit rusty, that to me feels more like where the Cubs are, where maybe the hopes are, are growing, are getting higher, but the expectations, especially coming in for this season, aren't nearly as high for what we thought the Cubs would be. We thought they would be improved, but if I'm drawing that comp between you know my, my five-year-old, excuse me, my five-and-a-half-year-old, um, it, it feels a bit like that. Like, you know what? As quickly as you learn to ride the bike and the fact that like one session, the first time we went out, you're a little bit rusty, you're a little bit frustrated. And we've been out riding with no training wheels a number of times since then. And as they say, it's been like riding a bike. He has picked it up and taken off. So now I'm looking at it like, hey, I, I might have a little, you know, some kind of BMX style acrobat. He might be on the do tour one day. Look at this five-year-old just out there going and like kind of hopping over stuff and, you know, kind of burning out with the wheel a little bit, doing some nice turns and spins. Take a couple of tumbles, a couple of falls, but not, not too big a deal. That to me feels like a bit of where, where we're at as a consensus with the Cubs because this is fun. This is, you know, somewhat, I wouldn't say unexpected because we knew they spent a little bit of money over the offseason, but it's gone beyond where we thought it might be. And, and certainly when you factor in the divisional standings and kind of compare that with with what, what they have the potential to be. You know, they're, they're still in fourth place in the division, but they're only three games back because the division is awful and because there's only one team who's above 500 in the division right now. So you got all the possibilities that are still there out in front of the Cubs, and it does feel like that there's something building, something mounting, and because of the, the sliding scale with the difference in the way that we judge these two teams here, then it just it feels so much more positive. And so even when, where, you know, the Cubs won six out of seven here, but even when the Sox were winning seven out of nine, what, a week ago, it didn't feel quite the same because, you know, we had been kind of slapped down so often, so frequently earlier in the season here by what was happening on the south side. But just like the weather in this town, man, I mean, just wait. We'll, we'll give, it a, give it a couple of days, give it a series and we'll see. It's likely to feel very different. This is just going to be the baseball experience in this town this season. I don't anticipate the Cubs are going to sustain what we've seen here over the last handful of games. And I don't, I don't expect that the Sox are going to maintain, you know, just being – I don't think they're going to be a 60-win ball club or anything. They're going to continue to teeter right around the 500 mark, maybe just beyond it the remainder of the season. But – since both divisions are terrible, then they're both going to continue to be in the mix. And so that gray area will mean that each front office has a lot to think about, a lot to evaluate. And we're going to talk about 
the, the Marcus Stroman situation in a little bit more detail later in the show, just to, I guess, to try and surmise where the Cubs are at, and, and frankly, to try to explain, I guess, my perspective, because each side has a point, and I don't necessarily think either one of them has done anything wrong yet, but I do have some anticipation for where things w- will go here and how the Marcus Stroman situation will end up playing out. Some great guests that we have lined up on the show for you tonight. So looking forward to conversations with Herb Howard. Going to talk Bears with Herb in just a few short minutes here. Also, Michael Cerami. We're going to talk some Cubs with him from Bleacher Nation in the next hour. And Lamont Pope, as we always love having Lamont on this station, on the show. Going to talk some White Sox with Lamont later on in the show. So very much looking forward to those conversations. Got my guy Tyler Farringal on the ones and twos for me this evening as well. A couple other things we're going to do during the show here because it's one thing that I find really intriguing about this weekend is that you got the Cubs preparing to head over to Europe and go to London, play a series in London against the Cardinals. It's going to be interesting, going to be unique. We haven't seen that done in Major League Baseball since before COVID back in 2019. And you also got Bears quarterback Justin Fields. He's getting ready to head over to Paris. So he's, he's just finished up the, the final mandatory activity of the offseason with the Bears. And so now we get into this period of time here where you essentially get about a month off, about a month away. And so this is where, like, you know, like for me, when I was, uh, what was it year two for me with the Lions, I took this period of time and got married. You know, like we got engaged uh, during my rookie season in 01, and then we got married, actually, did we get married in 02? No, we got married in 03. Uh, so we got married, actually. Well, yeah, it was the, the offseason leading into my third year uh, in Detroit. But then it was during this period of time where, you know, we scheduled it, where it was kind of after all the, the mini camps and OTAs were over. So how are you going to spend your free time? Well, you know, do football camps over here, do a little travel over there. You know, we'd been engaged for a little while. I knew we were going to get married, but you do. You know, especially if you're not one of these guys who can just – who has some sort of a, a guaranteed roster spot, then you got to say, how am I going to schedule this around the team's schedule? Where, where, am I, where can I fit this in where I'm not going to miss anything mandatory? I'm not going to maybe hurt my, my spot on the roster or have some coach be upset at me because I'm not around when they expect me to be around. So you know, go ahead and schedule this wedding uh, when I know I'm, I'm not necessarily going to need to be there. So we, we scheduled it for, uh, for late in June after all the off-season activities were over just within that time frame. We're basically like right now. So Justin Fields heading over to Paris this weekend. He scheduled that football camp that they're going to do over there with, with he and, and some of the guys who are part of the same organization with him. But I've been to both spots, been to London, been to Paris, enjoyed both spots. I got some suggestions for both the Cubs and for Justin Fields So for what they should take in, what's cool, what's not so cool, what's something to look forward to. This is going to be the first time that the Cubs have played baseball in London. It's going to be the first time that the Bears quarterback, Justin Fields, has been over to Europe in general, Europe period, let alone going specifically to Paris. So there is a lot that can potentially be experienced, a lot to take in there. So we'll spend a few minutes later on in the show on each of those topics. And who knows, man, especially with London, if any of you are planning on heading over there. It's a little different with the NFL season where – you know, you kind of got the, the one game, the one big event that you can lead up to. So if the Bears, as they've played over in London in the past, you get a decent amount of Bears fans who say, all right, we're going to go over there, kind of make a week of it, spend some good time overseas to go check out that game. Maybe you will. I, I don't know. I haven't necessarily 
tracked it much on, on social media yet, but maybe you'll get a decent amount of Cubs fans who are going to be over there. But I feel like Major League Baseball, this is more as an event centered around the, the appeal to the, the local folks, to, to the folks there in London to just kind of continue to, to spread the brand of Major League Baseball overseas. So I'm going to talk through that a little bit later in the show, and just in case, of course, if any of you are planning on heading there, heading to London for some baseball, or just heading to Paris at any point, but Justin Fields and some of the other NFL QBs are going to be on their way over there. So I'll give you uh, some thoughts on what they should. Give them, frankly, if they're listening, some thoughts on what they should and or shouldn't take in. We'll do that later in the show as well. But for now, I'm going to take a time out, come back, prepare to talk about these here Chicago Bears who have just finished up their final OTAs of the offseason. They get this month off and come back and see if they can finally take the North. And talk to Herb Howard on the other side of a timeout here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I mean, it did come uh, quickly. Um, I, I didn't really expect anything because it's different for each each guy. But I feel like with DJ, it's you know his body language is pretty easy to read. Um, and really early on, we communicated on you know how we want you know each route ran and stuff like that. And of course, you know he's a lot of experience. He's been in the league for you know a good a good period of time now. So you know he's he's played a lot of football, so he knows you know um, different coverages really well. Um, that's one thing that I was kind of impressed about, like with the offense coming in and just, you know, understanding, seeing coverages really well on uh, choice routes and stuff like that. So, um, you know, he's been great. And, you know, the, the chemistry has definitely picked up. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. It is a hopeful time at Hallis Hall. Very easy to be hopeful in June, while at the same time we are in the midst of an offseason where so much 
has been, is being, and will continue to be scrutinized about the Bears, about their brass, about their players, and chief amongst those, their starting quarterback, Justin Fields, going into year three. He was addressing the media yesterday after the Bears completed their on-field activities from this last OTA, from the entire off-season program. They'll get just over a month off uh, and then uh, then return and prepare for training camp and the regular season. Let's go and uh, check in with one of the individuals who's been over there at Hallis Hall looking at it, at it all in person. Guests join us on the Score Hotline presented by Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And on that hotline is Herb Howard of It's the Bigs. You can find him on Twitter at Herb Howard 411 Herb, what's happening this evening? Hey, what's going on, man? How you feeling? Not too much, not too much. Really appreciate you taking the time to join me as always. Um, so My now pleasure. that the, the on-field activities are over and we just heard from Justin Fields, they're talking specifically about his connection, the growing connection, the work he's putting in with DJ Moore. We heard a lot about this last offseason with Darnell Mooney, and of course Mooney's continued to be injured so far uh, since his injury during the regular season last year. But we know Justin Fields is no stranger to work. He has no fear of putting that extra time in on the field. So what are the indications you're getting right now about the development of, of his rapport with D.J. Moore? Yeah, I think you can just tell it's apparent he's a lot more comfortable. Second year in the system, obviously not learning a new system like he was last year. He's got the same O.C., same quarterback's coach. You can just tell he's a lot more comfortable. He's a bit more of a coach on the field, if you will. He's getting guys lined up, letting guys know, hey, you got to get outside the numbers or you're supposed to get to the hash or, you know, below the numbers, whatever it is. And, you know, guys are coming to him asking those types of questions for clarity. He's able to give them detailed answers. So, like you said, he's never been a, a, a person to, to shy away from the work. He's got a good work ethic. He's going to put that in. And now you can just kind of see those things on the field in terms of his leadership, his ability to get guys in the position that they're supposed to be. Now, functionally, it can be tough uh, with the just with the way practices are, are scheduled, with the way things are scripted, especially when no one's padded up, to really get a good sense for what is the growth of a young quarterback? How is this passing attack progressing? And it sounds like things have been uneven throughout the, these most recent OTAs here. What have been your observations of the Bears' passing attack? Yeah, I, I, was, I, I would say the same. It's been uneven. There, there are times when you see – uh, that they seem to be in rhythm, they seem to be able to click, and there are other times where they can't quite get off a pass in rhythm. And, and, and you've, seen some, you've seen a little bit of both of those things. And I think there have been some examples. Yesterday, for instance, they were doing a team red zone drills, and on one particular throw, Justin was able to anticipate, understand what he was seeing. He was able to step, throw in rhythm with confidence, and zip the throw to Robert Tunyon. That was an absolute laser um, for a touchdown. And so you, you can tell that he, he understands exactly what it is he's trying to do, what he wants to do with the football. He's got the confidence, and he's never he's, he's always had the arm talent. So, you know, now he's just starting to understand better what he wants to do, but also what he sees post-snap. He's able to recognize that a little bit quicker. And so those are some of the signs that you can kind of tell, the, a few of the tangible things that you can say, okay, I can see where this thing is kind of coming together. And then other times, like, mm, they still got a ways to go. And with that, with the ways to go, one of the things that can make that growth a little bit difficult is the fact that Darnell Mooney, 
hasn't been on the field at all over the offseason. And Chase Claypool has been you know, banged up with uh, what's apparently some soft tissue issues here as of late. What's your understanding of, of where things sit with, with Chase Claypool, whether or not the Bears have any enhanced concerns about you know, how things have gone with he since being acquired into the team, trading for him last season? And you know, should we as outside observers be, be concerned about where things sit with Chase Claypool? Yeah, they've only said all the positive things about him. You know, he's, he seems to be in a much better place mentally and emotionally. He's more comfortable with where he is with the team. But they certainly have to be concerned about the injuries because, to your point, they are not going to get where they want to go in this offense until they're able to get all those guys on the field together. It's one thing to have that chemistry with D.J. Moore, and that is apparent. But he's not, it's not enough because he's, you know, he's supposed to draw away some attention. And then you need guys on the other side that are going to be able to take advantage of, of the attention that he's drawn away. And so right now you're not being able to see that. And I think the sooner that they're able to get on the field um, together, then that's when they'll be able to develop that chemistry. They'll be able to play off each other, run routes off each other, those types of things. And right now we just haven't, ha- haven't had an opportunity to see that. Herb Howard, my guest here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. You can find him on Twitter at Herb Howard 411 Read all his writing with It's the Bigs as he covers the Chicago Bears. And – we, we went into last season trying to figure out whether Darnell Mooney could be a, a true number one receiver for the Bears. The talent, the wherewithal had been apparent pretty early in his career. And then as we referenced a moment ago, we knew how much extra work he and Justin Fields had been putting in together. What's the latest, as you understand it, about the, the readiness and what the timeline will be for Darnell Mooney to get back onto the field? That's certainly a big question. Every time we ask Coach Plus about it, he just says that he's on track, right? And, and we say, does that mean that he'll be ready to go for camp? And they say, well, he's on track. And, well, is, is, is part of that track training camp? It's like, yeah, we expect him, but nothing specific. So you try to ask him about, you know, is he on the grass? Is he doing these types of things yet? No specific answers. But I do think they expect him to be back for training camp. And, and I asked Justin about that yesterday just in terms of, of Chase and Moon getting back on the field. And he said that, um, you know, he's not worried about Mooney because whenever Mooney gets there, they're going to continue to have the chemistry that they've always had. So he's not worried about that. Um, and so I think that's true. When Mooney gets there, he'll be fine. But I think you have to be a little bit concerned about him not quite being there and when he will be there because, again, it's about the, the, the total impact of all three of them being on the field together and how soon that can happen. Cole Komet is a, a player who's still young enough in his NFL career. and We've basically seen him get – at least incrementally, and at times it seems like, you know, by, by leaps and bounds get better throughout his career, kind of season by season. Now they do acquire an additional tight end in Robert Tunyon, who isn't even 30 years old yet, and he's had some success during his Green Bay career. How do you see the, the tight end position for the Bears playing out? Do you, do you see it being a, a situation where maybe Tunyon comes in and, and can kind of overtake Cole Komet, or do you anticipate it being more, well, we'll just see a variety of two tight end sets, but having multiple guys who might really be able to be effective? Yeah, I think, I think it's just going to create an opportunity for them to be a little bit more multiple in terms of the sets that they want to deploy. I think mostly where I'm most intrigued by it is about what they may be able to do down in the red zone. I think they, be, they will be able to create some pretty intriguing packages down in the red zone. You talk about DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, and all the side, and then you have Cole Komet, Robert Tain. I think he's going to give them some size advantages, some mismatches that they should be able to take advantage of down in the red zone. So I think uh, more so than I anticipate um, Robert Tunyon kind of taking over that spot from him, it's a situation where I think they should be able to work well together. 
And if they do, obviously that'll spell positive for the, the passing game overall. Moving over to the defense, you've had an opportunity now to, to hear from uh, directly some of the new acquisitions that have come in. Demarcus Walker, one of the ones who most, rec- most recently got the opportunity to address the media. Before getting into some of the specifics of, of what you heard from Walker, just what are your, your early impressions, at least from the offseason, with you know, a lot of the money got spent at linebacker. A lot of us anticipate that there will be some depth in the secondary. And it's just a lot of very unproven commodities on the Bears' D-line. Is there a level of the defense that stood out to you most, whether that's positively or negatively throughout the offseason, looking at them on the hoof? Well, we may, may have actually lost Herb there for a moment, but – and uh, not quite sure where Herb was either. I don't know if he was in a construction site or, or what, but I was actually going to ask him about it in a moment. I just wanted to get a couple of more serious questions in before really determining exactly where, where Herb was. I don't know. There, there may have been a house that was being assembled uh, nearby. I was talking about being on a, on a house hunt uh, a little bit earlier, but, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe Herb had a foundation being put in on, on a home with wherever he was, so I was going to give him a hard time about that in a minute. But to that, that question I had about the Bears' defense, because – it's one thing for the linebacker position to, to at least be experienced and be veteran, but the Bears are going to need it to be deep as well. You know, you, you don't necessarily anticipate that Tremaine Edmonds or, or TJ Edwards are going to be special teams contributors for you. So then what does that mean? That, that means that a draft pick like Noah Sewell, who frankly didn't play a lot of special teams during his time at Oregon, at least not to my knowledge, but he stepped in day one as a starting inside linebacker after being a high school All-American. And really, the season before last, he was anticipated to be a guy that was going to have an extremely high draft value. And then this last season, for whatever reason, the overall productivity uh, just wasn't there on, on a quality Oregon defense. So he ends up going in the fifth round. And you know, for his physical attributes with his size and, and his speed and certainly his pedigree uh, being the, the younger brother of Panay Sewell, you know, it certainly feels like that was a good value pick for the Bears and really excited for, for what he might be able to add. But I was talking about the health of the, the wide receiver position for the Bears. You know, the, the health of Jack Sanborn at linebacker, he, he's a guy who I've kind of told people, I don't, I don't assume, like we, we saw production there from Sanborn, that I certainly wouldn't mind him being one of the starting linebackers for the Bears next season. But I don't go in just assuming that with a young football player who, who had a rookie season as an undrafted free agent where he played beyond a lot of people's expectations. But we heard Alan Williams a lot last year frequently when asked about sort of the ceiling of Jack Sanborn saying he doesn't like to put a ceiling on players. And, I mean, especially for any rookie, it would be foolish for a coach to, to put a ceiling on a player like that. But when Sanborn was on the field, he made plays, he made tackles, he penetrated into the backfield. So there's no reason to think that, that the Bears shouldn't anticipate he will be a competitor and perhaps even a front runner for one of the starting jobs going into the year. But having other guys, having other veterans in the two deep, having a, a, a fifth-round pick like Noah Sewell to be able to come in and push for opportunities, I've continued to use up to this point the term competitive depth for where the Bears lacked last year and where they needed to improve. And there's spots on defense like the secondary where – you know, you think of them drafting Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami and the assumption kind of being like, well, why would they need to draft a DB in the second round? They needed so much help on the D line. So why didn't they spend 
that that second round pick, pick number fifty six. Why not spend that on a D lineman? Just go real D line heavy as early and as often as possible. But I respect the fact that Ryan Poles and his team they saw a talent like Tyreek Stevenson there and available. You know, uh, the type of player that a lot of folks kind of thought that had first round potential, but they draft him and now a position like the secondary that was was really underrated in the need to go in and address it in the draft because I don't necessarily think secondary was a need in the draft, certainly not early in the draft, but they went with value of that pick and, and they decided to go and get that spot to address that as, as an additional competitive depth piece. And I like the fact that they did that, and it sounds like, and we got Herb Howard back on the line here, it sounds like Herb, I was, at, I was just really asking your, your overarching opinion on a level of the defense that stood out to you, whether positively or negatively, so far in camp with the Bears. And I was talking about Tyreek Stevenson and people feeling like he's been you know, pretty impressive on a secondary that was probably the least concerning level of the Bears' D. So whether positive or negative, Herb, as you saw it there in person, what, what stood out to you about one of these levels of the Bears' defense? Uh, I'll go with you on that. I'll, let's go from, from the back to the front. And I apologize for getting lost there. But uh, the secondary should be a strength of this team. You know the, the, the other four guys. You talk about Eddie Jackson, Jaquan Brisker. You talk about Jalen Johnson and, and Kyler Gordon now being in the nickel. But if Tyree Stevenson is who they hope he is, then this is going to be a really strong unit. And so far, he looks the part. You see him. He's very, very long. He's got very, very long arms. He's aggressive. He likes to make plays on the ball. He's big. You see him, his physicality on tape. I actually got to wait for the pass to come on to see it up here. But right now he looks the part. He does not look out of place. He plays with a lot of confidence. He seems calm out there. And so if he, if he is who they think they are, the secondary should be a strength. And then that should allow that defensive front in terms of defensive line to be better than maybe some suspect they can be. Some of those things may turn the cover sacks for those guys if the back end uh, is able to hold up. Uh, in terms of the, the front end itself, that front line, it's, you listen, you hope that they can be better than the sum of their parts, <laughs> but anybody who tells you that they've seen anybody on that defensive line dominate in this league, they will be telling you a lot. Nobody's seen that. We're hopeful about it. You hope that Travis Gibson can, can take the step that you kind of hoped he would have taken last year. You're hopeful that a guy like Dominique Robinson can take another step forward in his second year. You're hopeful that you'll get you know some production from those two Big D tackles that you drafted in Zach Pickens and Javon Dexter. Hopeful again that 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 uh, Demarcus Walker continues to elevate his play after having a career year last year with Tennessee. But all of those things is just cost optimism, and so you still got to see it. And so hopefully again they can be better than some of their parts. But you look at it on paper right now, and it, it does leave a little bit to be desired. Now, there's time here. There, there's some weeks before the Bears report for training camp there's months before they actually take the field whether we're talking preseason or certainly regular season so you know it's kind of like the, the world is the oyster of Ryan Pohl still as it relates to the D-line and other acquisitions that may be able to be made are, are you getting any inklings or especially as you guys have gotten a, a chance to talk to Matt Eberflus this week what's your sense for whether or not the Bears will be aggressive and perhaps even trying to acquire some additional veterans to add to their defensive front yeah, you talk to Flus about it, and every time he's asked about it, he says, listen, we're always trying to improve at every position. So he gives you a little bit of co-speak on that. But there are some intriguing guys that they could be interested in. Uh, you talk about Ngakwe and his familiarity with the system and those types of things. But um, I, I don't know. I think that when you talk about Ryan Poles, we've seen him to be very, very consistent. And what I mean by that is he's sticking to his plan. He's stuck to his plan since day one. 
Only time will tell if that plan is right, but he has not shown a willingness to deviate from his plan. And so if he can find somebody that's out there on the street at his price and only at his price, then I wouldn't be surprised to see him go ahead and make that move. But if he can't get them at the price that he wants, I don't think he'll make that move. I think he'll kind of stand pat. I think he understood coming into his offseason that the Bears were more than one offseason away from filling every hole that they had. The Bears are not one pass rusher away from winning the Super Bowl. That's not where they are in the process right now. And so I don't think he's going to be uh, overly willing to leverage any future assets to try and plug that hole just to say we plugged it for this year, right? I think he's going to be focused more on developing some of the younger guys on the roster, but also looking to the future. What free agents are going to be available next year? And what monies do you want to have available when they do hit the market? What uh, uh, college kids are coming out in the draft that are going to be available? So I think he's probably thinking more along those lines. And if he can kind of, you know, strike lightning in a bottle with somebody that, that, that meets his price range, then he probably will. But I also would not be surprised to see the Bears go into the season with the front looking exactly as it does. Obviously, context, perspective, these are things that are always going to be important, you know, frankly, all the time. But certainly when, when you're evaluating what you see during an offseason practice. But during this offseason cycle, is there a guy who's maybe still pretty young in his career that, that you feel like has maybe stood out as, as someone – who might have an intriguing sort of ascension going into the year here, one of these younger guys who you say, you know what, there, there might be something more there that's starting to kind of emerge. I think that, you know, when you talk, anytime you have a problem, it creates an opportunity, and they have problems on the D-line, but it does create opportunities for some of these younger guys. And, again, you got to wait till the past come on to be able to, you know, uh, solidify some of the things that you're seeing or, or validate some of the things that you're seeing. But you look at a guy like DeAnthony Jones. He has rare movement skills. And you know what it's like talking about trying to get up and down the line. He's going through the bags. He's swiping his ability to, you know, change his hips, flip, and come back the other way, his bend. He's got rare movement skills. And another guy, Terrell Lewis, you talk about his ability coming out of Alabama, a number one pick. Obviously, he's been injured. But maybe a new place, change of scenery, and health is all he kind of needed. You've seen some of those things flash for him as well, and hopefully those things continue to translate once the past come on. But I think because you don't have um, a solidified defensive front where, you know, these are going to be the four guys. I mean, you can write it down on paper right now if you want, but it wouldn't surprise me for that for all four of those guys to end up flipped or something like that. So uh, I think there's a lot of opportunities for these guys to crack the rotations and though they can crack the rotation and those two guys specifically have kind of stood out, albeit without pads on. Heard a good amount of chatter about Tyler Scott at receiver and I kind of feel like mm-hmm. we think back to the, the twenty twenty season that was Darnell Mooney's rookie year, but it was the COVID year and so, you know, we didn't get a chance to watch the offseason in person. They didn't play any preseason games. And then he just has that season opener in Detroit. You're like, wow, this this fifth round pick has got something, even though the numbers weren't yeah. big, but he looked very composed, looked explosive, looked comfortable. Yeah. We we get to see Tyler Scott in, in an off season here so far and some folks seem kind of impressed with what that rookie receiver is looking like so far. What have been your impressions of him? I think he's taking advantage of the opportunities that he's gotten. We talked about Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool being out. Again, problems create opportunities, and he's taking advantage of the opportunities that he's been able to get while those guys are out. His speed is undeniable. You can feel it on the field. You can see it. He's got a different gear. He's not one of those you know, track guys playing football. He's a football player that happens to be really, really fast. And so that shows uh, not only his ability to stretch the field with the deep ball, but also just once he gets the ball in his hand, his ability to then accelerate, hit that next gear, split defenders, or, or, or eat up a guy's angle. And so he's got real, real speed. There's still a lot of things for him to learn. I think his frame uh, 
is a little bit concerning right now. He just <laughs> does. He's just a little bit small. But I think if he's able to get the ball in his hands, uh, you're able to draw up some packages for him. And again, that's going to be another reason why you want those top end guys in your wide receiver room to all be on the field because then you can have certain packages for him where you know you're going to be able to scheme him open because of the attention that the other guys will draw. But so far, so good. You got to like what you've seen from Tyler Scott. I think they're happy with their pick right now. With good reason. We'll see what it ends up meaning once they actually get the pads on, get on the field for some preseason and some regular season games. So, as the Bears have a little free time, maybe that means her power gets a little free time as well. Appreciate you joining me tonight, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it, man. That is Herb Howard from It's the Bigs. You can find him on Twitter at HerbHoward411. Let's take a time out, come back. We'll hear from the Bears quarterback himself. Tyler played a little bit of that sound from Justin Fields coming into the segment we spent with Herb Howard. Let's close the hour with the Bears quarterback as well. We'll do that next here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Yeah, I mean, we usually just go through the three, do the uh, progressions and, um, you know, just making sure. I think the biggest thing in the, in the red zone is just making sure, you know, we're ready to throw. Of course, you know, um, you don't have as much room as you do in the field, so your feet's got to be ready uh, to throw the ball. And um, definitely tighter windows down there, for sure. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Oh, they're all in the Camp Randall Stadium right now. End of that fourth quarter, like I'm calling a Wisconsin football game. I'm planning to work in a little bit of Big Ten conversation as they uh, release their schedule earlier in the week. But in, in recapping a bit of what went on throughout the week, uh, had Tyler pull together some of the, the better sound from some of the key figures with the Bears that took place throughout the week here. So we'll start here with the Bears quarterback. And Justin Fields, I, I term him as a, a rep guy. You know, with different football players and especially at quarterback where there's so much on your plate mentally, physically, mechanically, emotionally, you name it, everything kind of flows through and falls on the QB. A guy like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, th- those are – rep guys you know guys who just they they continued to just hone their mechanics and the way they operated through just constant reps and constant work over and over again to just get past the point where something felt robotic and get to the point where something became muscle memory and that's how each of them operated throughout their careers and what made both of them so great whereas guys like you know we've been Bears fans have been tormented tormented for decades by Brett Favre by Aaron Rodgers both of them, pretty early in their careers, got to the point where, you know, they take the reps, they put the work in, but they're more feel guys. You know, Patrick Mahomes, kind of a feel guy. As a quarterback, Justin Fields is a rep guy. Justin Fields is a little more, you know, mechanically, it, a lot of the stuff doesn't just sort of come, you know, automatically to him, come naturally to him as a passer, as a, as a rhythmic sort of playmaker, but we saw the ability is no doubt there. He needs those repetitions, and they're coming on the practice field right now. And he was talking a little bit to the media yesterday about how important those reps are and trying to get on the same page with his wide receivers. Um, just to get that chemistry down, you know, especially with DJ, you know, his first um, 
you're here. You know, just taking shots, taking chances. You know, it doesn't matter if it's complete or incomplete. You know, now of course. So just trying to get on the same page, talk, communicate with them, and um, you know, hopefully we're seeing the same thing when it comes to you know um, where the leverage of the corner is and just different you know details and stuff like that. To have the the ability to operate with the same voice in his ear in Luke Getze for a second consecutive season, something he frankly didn't even always get uh, in his brief Ohio State career with a you know a few different coaches that kind of cycled through. You know, Ryan Day was his his main play caller that entire time though. But then also going through now multiple NFL. Uh, offensive schemes and play callers. So now having back-to-back years with Luke Getze and, and in working on the way that Luke Getze teaches this offensive system, coaches the mechanics of how he is, is meant to play quarterback within this offense, then that all matters. And it's not just the, the reading of defenses, but getting to the point where he's less methodical and getting that information from his brain out through his right arm. He talked a bit to the media yesterday about how footwork itself is a huge part of how the, the quickness and the rhythm of that come together. I mean, yeah, it's different from my rookie year um, because it was a completely different footwork than now. Um, so this footwork that you know we have now, the first year of me using it was last year. So, I mean, if, yeah, if you're comparing it from now to last year, it's, I would say it's a big difference for sure. And the, the fact that, you know, it's one thing to, you know, you, you may watch a quarterback like, like Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback, like Aaron Rodgers, and look at them play the position and just think, well, how, you know, it just it doesn't always look like like it's being executed as it's intended or as it's scripted, but there is that feel there. But a lot of that comes from the the thousands of, of reps of just time on task that they've had. And for Justin Fields, it's going to continue to be extremely important for him. And to be able to do that, and actually have it work well within this offense, you know, sometimes it's going to be just as simple as knowing that the amount of times he's actually taken that snap from center and dropped back, how the mechanics end up affecting each individual route combination. And he talked to the media about how the mechanics change with the way that certain routes time up. Yeah, um, not necessarily for me. I mean, of course it does. I think last year, of course, was my first year doing it, so I was just trying to get the hang of it. And of course, I you know grow throughout the year, but you know this year, um, you know I've I've gotten a lot more comfortable with it, and um, you know it just times up for the routes better, um, and you know just just like I've been saying since last year, our uh, whole offense is you know using my feet is is tied with our feet, so um, you know just just trying to use that feet as like a clock in our head just to move from you know each route in the progression. We've seen where when he knows where I'm, I'm saying we, I'm using the royal we, but I'm certainly just talking from my perspective here because one of the ways I've tried to describe this is that when Justin Fields quickly knows where to go with the football, we've seen how deadly accurate he can be, but it's about getting it there where that confidence is there as quickly as possible. Some of that comes during the pre-snap, but some of that will certainly continue to enhance with his reactions post-snap. And then in the end, some of the times where Luke Getzey will be able to call him in the easy reads will be a, a key factor, but also just in, in wanting to know his read, his, his you know, aptitude for a moment on the field can allow him to know where the ball needs to go even before the defense does. And that's one thing he addressed as well, just how he wants to get the ball out as fast as possible. I mean, yeah, of course you want to just work on getting the ball out as fast as you can. Um, 
you know, with defense, with defenses and stuff like that. So, you know, the faster I can get the ball out, you know, the more efficient, the faster I can get the ball into you know, guys like DJ Moon, running back, you know, all that. So. It's huge. It'll make a big difference, and some of that will be – a lot of it will certainly be on Justin Fields, but certainly Luke Getze will need to with the run game, with screen game, with some now routes and things like that, will need to continue to put his young quarterback in those advantageous positions to – to get the ball out of his hands, to have some of those easy reads, easy completions, and then set up some of these strike play opportunities that make some of the most explosive offenses in football as deadly as they can be. We'll come back around to some Bears sound later in the show, and also we're going to talk about some of the, uh, the international flavor that the Bears quarterback is preparing to get for the first time as he's ready to head over to Paris, where he's never been, never even been over to Europe. So hopefully that'll be a fun trip for Justin Fields. We'll come back around to some of that a little bit later. But let's get around to some Cubs conversation. We'll come back in just a couple of minutes here and talk some Cubs with Bleacher Nation next here on The Score. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 